At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into Odds On. This is Mike Palm along with Amal Shaw here from the beautiful Circus Sports Studio in downtown Las Vegas. And let me start out by saying happy anniversary, buddy. Happy anniversary. One year. Yeah, absolutely. Hey. They said it wouldn't last. Uh, how good was Division a Weekend? Let's start there. One VSIN host, and I won't. Uh, name him, said it might have been the best three and a half hours of his life last night watching the Chiefs and the Bills. I know you won't go that far because you're not about hyperbole, but was this Jeez. the best divisional weekend that you can remember? Uh, without without question about that. I mean, unbelievable in terms of what we saw. Think about this. Every game had a final kick at the end of regulation that determined the situation. We see it with the Rams, Matthew Stafford hitting Cooper Cup. And then uh, in the San Francisco game, I thought Robbie Gold made the toughest kick of the weekend with the weather conditions up at Lambeau Field. Impressive. Uh, by the way, can't wait till later on this week when uh, Michael Lombardi tells me how great Jimmy Garoppolo is. You know, I, I thought I thought getting that offense to six points was incredible. Very tough to do. I mean, to to not be able to score a touchdown and rely on Debo Samuel is so impressive. By the way, the best playmaker in the National Football League is Debo Samuel. This guy is absolutely unbelievable. He he should go full Kenneth Walker on Mel Tucker and say, Hey, listen, Shanahan, listen, you're stealing, okay? You, give me some of your check. Michael and his people asked me to go back and listen to your appearance. On Thursday on the show, it was a very uh, fiery debate between you and him. But I thought your 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 comments might have been offensive to the VEASAN main core listing audience, that being single Inuit men. <laughs> I'm all talked about a, a four in L.A. being an eight in Alaska. <laughs> for, those of, for those of you that didn't catch his I, I'm very popular among the Inuits, so uh, I, it's not a problem. All right, I want to give you uh, as much time as you deserve to talk about your shenanigans this weekend. I mean, your list is pretty pretty short here. I, we could have probably went into every coach at some point. Oh, I, there's no question about it. Well, who, do you, who do you got? Let's start on the roster. Well, all right, let's start out with uh, the man who will always be associated forevermore with the number 13, Sean McDermott. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I was thinking of Bill Burr, but that's fine. We'll go with Sean McDermott. But the reality of it is this decision to not squib kick the football was unbelievable. And then, by the way, I don't know if it was Leslie Frazier, whoever decided we're not going to cover Travis Kelsey on the second-to-last play of the game of regulation. Incredible. I do have to give a ton of credit to the Kansas City Chiefs for the two-play design. I love the first play to Hill. Let him go as quick as he can. I mean, 
You got that roadrunner going as fast as he can, and then Kelsey up the seam. I'll tell you, Mike, I thought the kick was going to be 54 to 58 yards, and they wind up getting into the 40s. I think it was a 48-yarder, 47-yarder. I, I think Reed probably tries it from 60. Uh, without uh, question, Bucker, you Mary, have to. Right? I would agree with that. You make that shot and you take a chance. But I got to give Mahomes credit. He walked onto that field with a swagger. I was like, this guy really think he's going to score? I'm like, this thing's over. It's done and dusted. I'm like, I got a loser on the Chiefs here. But no. I got the right I got the right Superman right now, and McDermott's decision making not to squib it, I thought was catastrophic. You have to do that there. And I, I thought that really prevented Buffalo from having a potential not only to get to the Super Bowl, but to win it. If you're in Buffalo, my God. Are, you know what? The reality of it is Josh Allen within the next two games could have surplanted the great Jim Kelly just in the final 120 minutes of the season. Buffalo might have been the best team in the NFL this year, but they're not moving on. I want to ask you this, Amal, on the play where Kelsey, with eight seconds left, mm-hmm. where Kelsey gains the 30 or whatever it was. You know Mahomes is going to release quick. Yes. The play has to be six seconds and call yes. a timeout. Why not rush three and then just grab every receiver and take the five-yard holding penalty? Even if the play takes four seconds, he's only left with one play from his own 48. Two reasons why. As soon as the flag okay. comes, what a defender is going to do is going to go deep. And then they're going to throw, he's going to throw the ball. And because you held him, you might get called for pass interference. So then the ball could have been put in a much deeper situation. And then remember, you're going to have an automatic free play in that scenario. I think those things work when you're trying to prevent a touchdown and a team has to decide do they want to take the three to tie it or go for the end zone. All right, let's stay in that game. And on the Kansas City side, Harrison Butker. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, this guy thinks he's among that tier one. We, Mike and I were arguing before the show as to who the best kickers are in the National Football League. I have three people in tier one. There's only three kickers. Daniel Carlson, number three. Number two is Chris Boswell, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then we all know the greatness of Justin Tucker in Baltimore. Uh, but I thought Butker missing four points was crucial in this game. Mike, remember, could have put this team up 10. And that allowed Kansas City, excuse me, Buffalo to go for two. It was huge. He missed that field goal before the half, which would have given them an opportunity to take a two-possession lead when they started the ball in the second half because you felt like once the second quarter got going, Buffalo was not really going to stop Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that offense was starting to gel, and the play calling was uh, fantastic in the early part of the game. The Chiefs' defense. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, uh, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs in your next NFL draft, if you draft somebody from the offensive side of the football, you should automatically be terminated. This team is so horrific defensively. It doesn't even begin to tell you the greatness of Patrick Mahomes until you watch that defense play and how this guy has literally, he's like a tennis player. He's got to hold serve every single sequence because there's no chance they're going to break serve with that defense. Cam Akers. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, man, this is why you don't draft running backs from free shoes you. Can't hold on to the football. Two crucial fumbles out of four. You're going into the end zone before the half. You got a chance to bury the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in halftime. Get up by 24. Instead, it's 27 to three at that point in time. You know, you, it's a swan song for ta- Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that that second fumble, Mike. I mean, inexcusable. I, the first one I get, he was coming in. The guy made a great play, lands on his head. All things a uh, culmination of the fumble there, but. To me, come on, man. You've got to hold on to the football in crunch time like that. And Dominican Sue makes a nice play, but Cam Akers, ball security is just absolutely paramount. You cannot turn the ball over there and can't give the other team a chance. Did you think that McVay's play calling after the Brady interception was too conservative before the half? I, I know it took the fumble for them not to score, but it, and here's why I say it. After they ran the first down play, it took them under a minute. Arians decided not to use either of his two right. timeouts. So you knew that Arians was going to do nothing if he got the ball back. Right. He just wanted to get to the locker room. Right. They were discombobulated, right? right? I would have been a little bit more aggressive. I don't. He was trying to leave Arians with three seconds. I'd have left Arians with 30. They were taking a knee and going to the locker room. 
Yeah, the score was 20-3 to three at that point, right? Yes. You know, look, I, I know you may not see it this way, but I thought even if you added three points there, that would have been huge because now you're up by 20 points instead of the 17. It forces them to go for touchdowns, and I think it becomes a key scenario, and I thought uh, Tampa did a great job of taking the field goal on that fourth and long. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a problem with that uh, for me from McVay's approach. Meanwhile, when's the last time you saw a kicker short from 48 in perfect weather? I said the exact same thing. Get the perfect weather. When was the last time you saw a kicker in the NFL? I mean, what was this, Conference USA out there? I mean, this is unbelievable. I thought I was watching Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss. Short. Uh, All right, let's get back to your favorite guy, Jimmy G. Oh, my God. Six points. How about this guy? Give him credit. I went through his numbers last night because I know on Thursday, I'm sure Michael Lombardi have some defense of him. By the way, having Michael defend Jimmy Garoppolo is like being assigned a public defender on a capital trial. I mean, give me a break. You know you're looking at at least 25 to life there. The bottom line is, to me, when I look at this situation, this guy's undefensible. It's the fact that Debo Samuels is so great. It, It really, truly is unbelievable. This guy is so inept. Throwing picks in the red zone. Inability to hit receivers. I know the first three plays of the game, they had drops. But remember, Kittle made a terrific catch on the sideline that shouldn't have been caught. It was just an absolute a tremendous play by him. This guy is so fortunate to be here. I mean, they they could have had... They could they take Garoppolo out of the game and go with a direct snap. They'd be better off and have an extra block in there for Debo Samuel. When you look ahead to the NFC Championship game, and the 49ers have beaten the Rams yeah. twice... Six in a row. How 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 is it you can play the 49ers knowing that he's going to make a critical turnover in this? Because you know he's going to make a critical turnover. This guy, look at the turnovers he's had lately down the stretch. It's unbelievable. I I don't. I think the Rams are going to win, and here's why. To have to beat a team of this caliber three times this season and on the road. Remember, they're down 17 nothing the first time. I think the Rams got a ton of confidence. I think Cooper Cup will have another great day. I like the way Matthew Stafford played. You know, I saw this stat uh, last night on ESPN. Matthew Stafford, since he's been in the league, has the most com- uh, fourth-quarter winning drives. Who would have ever thought that number would be greater than uh, Tom Brady? I want to tell you something, Amal, and you're probably going to be surprised to hear this. Looking at those eight teams play this weekend, yeah. I th- there's no doubt in my mind that the Rams are the best team. Really? Yes. I, I, I look, they I fumbled can... the ball four times in that game. They dominated that game. game. They did have four fumbles, right? They, they... <laughs> I, I, I thought that the Matthew Stafford fumble on the bad snap. Yeah. I thought you have to run the ball there mm. because you're already in field goal range. You go up by yep. 17 points. You play two <laughs> minutes of the clock and you just take three points. So many times these guys are so interested in trying to do certain things. I'm like, play the clock game. What they always forget is that if you run the ball three straight plays and take the play clock down to two or one in theory, you're taking off almost two minutes and 14, 15 seconds. Stafford's playing with a lot of confidence. He really he is. He really is. I mean, th- this is what you thought they would be when they traded for him. 100%. <laughs> I, I tell you. And it's, it's funny, a friend of mine, she's a huge Bears fan. She's the one, she goes, Matthew Stafford's far better. And I remember a few years ago, and I started paying attention. This guy has turned it around. And Mike, I thought this team was going to be right here. I thought they'd be facing off against the Green Bay Packers. And by the way, I think Aaron Rodgers will be leaving Green Bay soon. All right. And then let's get to, lastly, the Packers defense and special teams. Yeah, the Green Bay defense, I thought not being able to get off the field at crucial times against a quarterback who's never going to beat you deep. Uh, I thought really a failure on their part. Um, not being able to get crucial stops at the right time. And this team had an opportunity. And then how about the special teams? When was the last time in an NFL game you see a blocked punt, return for a touchdown, a blocked field goal, directly relating to 10 points? And two big kick returns. Oh, Let's not forget that. Absolutely. Give the, the 49ers defense credit. Outside of the first drive yeah. and the long pass right before half, Rodgers didn't do much. They were unbelievable. By the way, I'm going to tell you right now, and you know I was always on the DeAndre Hopkins bandwagon. Yeah. What I saw to Devontae Adams in that game, some of the catches, this guy is number one, and there's nobody in the rearview mirror right now. But he's got to get to the sideline on that play. He, he can't make them. On the on the 75-yard pass from when they had third and three right before half, 
No, that he's, wasn't he's, him. Oh, okay. That, that was uh, that was Jones the running okay. back. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, they've I agree. Gotta, they've got to get. They've got to get, get, get to the sidelines there. That cost them. They got no point. They, you know, they, they, they that cost them two shots at the end zone at least. Yeah, well, University of Texas El Paso not known for their mathematicians. You think Rogers is going to be gone? If so, where is he going? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you right now, and I had a friend of mine say this to me, and I think they're absolutely right. If I'm looking for a job, I'm figuring out a way, depending on what Tennessee's salary cap situation is, you can't play with Ryan Tannehill. I've been saying this for a decade plus. Three INTs? I mean, come on. Joe Burrow overcomes nine sacks in his offensive line and still wins the game. Well, what we learned is three interceptions are, are more detrimental than nine sacks. You're absolutely I mean, because right. Because I thought Vrabel managed that game very well. Did you agree with going for two when they got the penalty to get the ball to the one? I, I didn't know somebody sent me a text, and I I, I didn't see much of the game. But yeah. then they, I was found out it was a penalty. I would have, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah, I would have, too. Um, you know, you, you know, the 18-wheeler wasn't the 18-wheeler. And on that play, if you go back and watch the replay, he didn't even really extend the ball to the goal line there. I absolutely right. But I think the decision was right. Even though I'm not a big proponent of going for two early, when you get it at the one, you should be able to lean that ball Especially with him. All right, coming up next, we're going to have four burning questions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, and Amal's personal favorite, Citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths. You can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Terrific divisional weekend in the NFL. We covered your shenanigans in the first segment. So we'll start out with the burning questions cool, here, and then we'll, then we'll preview the, uh, the lines for the two championship games. Question number one, Amal. Conventional wisdom has been not to use a first-round or even a second-round pick on a place kicker. Will this weekend's games help to change that notion? 
No, but I'll tell you what, I think the value of kickers is so incredible. And I, it's funny you mentioned that. That's a great question because I said beyond a or behind the quarterback, I think the kicker is probably your most important piece because he can determine three to four games whether you win or lose. And we saw it this weekend. Look, if you're the 49ers, you don't probably get out of that game. If it goes to overtime, you feel like Rodgers and company might have moved the ball even though they struggled after the opening drive. We saw Matt Gay win the game. Now, that was a chippy anybody in the league is going to be able to make. But Butker makes a huge kick for this team. Uh, we saw Evan McPherson make a terrific kick. I think because of the failures of two guys, uh, Robert Aguayo in the uh, second round for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, again, another Florida mm-hmm. State guy, another failed guy. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Mike Nugent uh, from the Ohio State in third round wasn't quite as good. Nugent had a far longer career than uh, Robert Aguayo, who's probably teaching people how to kick right now. I always love these guys. You know, it's it's the old line of, hey, can't play, can, can teach, though. But um, I think you have to look in the third and fourth, fifth rounds. There's been a couple of kickers in college we saw this past year. You go, hey, this is a guy you need on your roster. It's a little hard to project, too, though. I mean, yeah. you, you watch a lot of SEC football. Did you think McPherson would be a top-five NFL kicker coming out of Florida? No, I thought he was really yeah. good because I saw some scenarios. You know, the kid out of LSU, Cade York, was incredible. Um, but I thought McPherson would be a guy that you'd see get into a camp and have an opportunity mm-hmm. to make a team. You know, so many times it doesn't translate for whatever reason. Guys are great collegiate kickers. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll be great at the next level. Justin Ticker, Tucker, make no mistake about it, was not this good at Texas. Um, the one guy, Carlson was very Car- good at Auburn. Auburn. He <laughs> was outstanding at Auburn. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Um, you know, to me, there was a kicker at Nebraska, Chris Brown, one mm-hmm. of the best I'd ever seen. This guy's now in witness protection. Question number two. Should the NFL change its overtime rules for the playoffs? No, because the last time I was told the opponent who doesn't get the ball, their defense is allowed on the field in an attempt to make a stop. What are you kidding me? This sudden death is what makes it so great. What do you want to go with the college game so we can go Ole Miss, Arkansas, and go seven overtimes, LSU, Texas A&M? No, stop with the nonsense. These defenses aren't getting stops anyway because they're all gassed. Had Buffalo gotten the ball first, they go right down the field and win this football game. This is just the nature of what it is. By the way, here, here's my argument. You had 60 minutes to get a stop on defense, force a punt, not give up a touchdown or a field goal with 13 seconds remaining. There are so many scenarios here. You're the Buffalo Bills, or if you're any other team, you shouldn't have been in this spot. If the Kansas City Chiefs could make an extra point in a field goal before halftime, they're not in that scenario. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm not buying into it. Sudden death is what makes this sport great. Has the better quarterback won every playoff game outside of the 49ers' two victories? Um, well, first of all, yeah, did Dak by just a hair. I mean, over uh, over Garoppolo, but uh, obviously Rodgers the better quarterback. Well, the, t- the tough one there is, is is Stafford right now better than Brady right now? Yes. I think so as well. Um, I, I actually had forgotten the other game is Burrow and, uh, against Tannehill. Burrow, By yes. the way, that's an insult to Burrow to be even compared to Tannehill. Well, I'm just saying in the playoff yeah. matchups. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm, there's Brady no over Jalen Hurts. I mean, all yeah, of them through the wild yeah, card 100%. round. Yeah, the only great. two aberrations are Garoppolo's wins. Yeah, I think you bring up <laughs> next point. Look, I tell you right now. I know you keep talking about the Rams being the best team. If you put Matthew Stafford on the San Francisco 49ers, they are the best team, and it's not close. The 49ers Better running su- game, better defense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're elite, it seems like, I'll everywhere. I'll take the Rams' wide receiving core. Well, yeah, OBJ and Cooper mm-hmm. Cup. I'll give yeah. you that and one. But, tight, me, but, yeah, yeah. but I, I want the tight end. Yep. I want Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is the best playmaker probably in the NFL right now. By the way, Tyreek Hill really showed something, though. That's why I've always had Hill at one, and he really delivered in, in a clutch performance. Final question. Did this weekend represent a changing of the guard at the very top of the NFL quarterback hierarchy? Brady and Rodgers out, Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow in. I think so. I think that's a great, great point you make. You know, one thing, you know, you know, I was thinking about what Rodgers reminds me of. 
He's Clayton Kershaw. He is Clayton Kershaw of the uh, of the NFL. Tremendous every year in the regular season. Chips are down. Don't give him the football. This guy can't deliver. You score 10 points. Look, you can sit there and give all the accolades you want to San Francisco for winning this football game, but I'm sorry. What game are you winning when you're the lowest scoring team in four games all weekend and you're the Green Bay Packers playing at home at Lambeau Field with a quarterback with the best receiver in the NFL with a solid running game? The fact that this team couldn't deliver, they couldn't block well enough to protect Rodgers at times, you had the perfect scenario, and you lose this game against a pedestrian quarterback. I, I mean, I, I know my, uh, Michael Lombardi's got Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Hall of Fame, but like the rest of us, he'll be there as a visitor. All right, I want to look ahead to the conference championship games and the opening lines of all. I'm sure you know them already. So I, 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 Let me tell you, I haven't looked at them, but I okay. already assume what they are. Okay, I well, assume... I'll, let, I'll let you guess. Yeah. Let's start off. The AFC will be the early game from Arrowhead, 12 o'clock Pacific time, 2 o'clock in Kansas City between the Bengals, the four seed, and the Chiefs, the one seed. I'm going to say seven and probably 53. Yeah, seven, open 53 and a half up to 54. Okay. Some places open six and a half, quickly went to seven. Do you see this number coming off seven? I do not because I think if it goes to, now, are you saying going down or going up? No, I up? think up if it's the only way it can go. Uh, why? Because to me, it, what confidence do you have that this Kansas City defense is going to stop Joe Burrow? By the way, Give Josh Allen credit for his mobility. How good is this guy? I was not on the Josh Allen bandwagon mm-hmm. as much as other people were. I, I am wrong on him. And I didn't say it wasn't bad. I just had him at Tier 2. I think he's a Tier 1 quarterback. I, I got to readjust what I think of him. Incredibly impressive in that loss. I, I really thought he didn't lose the football game. They just, you know, it's like one of those old lines that Clemson had against Alabama. They just ran out of time. You're a Russell Wilson guy. Is Josh yes, Allen better than Russell Wilson right now? I'm going to tell you right now, you can't do that because I'm taking my guy. I'm taking Russell Wilson. That guy is just unbelievable. Does it with a bag of dirt up there in Seattle. I would be more confident in betting against the Bengals in the AFC Championship if Buffalo had won that game yesterday and the game was in Orchard Park. I agree with you. I think the Bills with their defense and Josh Allen's playmaking. I will say this, though. Remember, Cincinnati's got the better pass rush of the three teams we were looking at at the AFC going into Sunday. Um, Hendrickson and Hubbard, they can get after the quarterback. I like this team. They're dangerous. And the problem is, even I think Kansas City is going to be able to potentially get home. I still think the Burroughs' toughness, accuracy, the playmakers he's got on the outside. Jamar Chase has got to be salivating. He's got to be looking right now at the NFL record book for most receiving yards in an AFC championship game because he's going to have an opportunity against this Kansas City defense. Yeah, and it, it, obviously the Achilles heel of, of Cincinnati was their offensive line giving up nine sacks. Yeah. I think the Bills would have been able to put more pressure uh, more pressure on him than the Chiefs will be able to on Sunday. The second game from SoFi, the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl will be from the same spot here. So no NFC team will leave SoFi after this. 49ers-Rams, part three, the line them all. Uh, I'm assuming it's got to be three, but I thought it might open two and a half. Okay, so both games they played this year were three and a half. They closed. Okay. This game is, the, is similar to the Tampa Bay-Rams game in that it's one or the other way with juice, but it's up above three. So either three lay juice or take three and a half and get juice. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, I'm really surprised this is three and a half. I thought it was going to be three all day. And the reason why mm-hmm. I thought it would be two and a half just because the dominance we've seen by San Francisco against uh, the, the Rams here. Uh, I was going to guess the total. I just saw it at 46 and a half. I was yeah. wrong. I thought it was going to be 48. Um, but makes sense with these two teams. You think it'll be a little bit more defensive. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl odds right now. Going into the weekend, the Chiefs were plus 380. Obviously, they get home field now. They drop to plus 120. The Rams were plus 750. They get home field, drops to plus $2. The 49ers were 10 to 1. They're plus 450. And the Bengals were 15 to 1. They're 8 to 1 right now. 
Yeah, the uh, I tell you what, the Bengals actually you could have gotten um, before the playoffs started. My friend Billy, who was in town, he's kind of at eighteen to one. So now he's like, all right, I got to hedge these out. So got a great spot here. Rams two to one still. I'm a little bit surprised with them being at home and a great opportunity. I like their chances quite a bit. You think they'd be a little shorter, like 175, 180? Yes, because I think their defense could cause some problems for the Kansas City offense a How little bit. How much did you hedge as a percentage of your bet with Tampa Bay on, on Sunday? Basically, I hedged to get back my original amount on the Rams. Still in great shape, obviously, mm-hmm. with six, seven, and nine to one. But, um, well, you're even better shape now because you get the plus, plus money price. It's, exa- <laughs> it's exactly right. This is perfect because the last game for me, I don't have them winning the Super Bowl. I just have right. them winning the NFC. Mm-hmm. So big difference there. So looking forward to this one. I think Stafford's going to play great. I thought he really delivered. That team could have folded, Mike, after that fumble. They stood up and hit Cooper Cup on that big play. I don't understand if you're Tampa how you allowed that to happen. There was a miscommunication on the blitz, what Arian says. They also didn't kick it in field to take time off the clock. And then they sacked Stafford on the first play. That's uh, All right. Uh, interesting props over the weekend. Most passing yards in the divisional round. Brady was the favorite at four to one. Mahomes and Rodgers were second choice at plus four fifty. Mahomes won it. Yeah. Who do you think had the most rushing yards in the divisional round? I have no idea. Same guy, Patrick Mahomes, sixty nine. <laughs> Second was Josh Allen with sixty eight. He was fifteen to one. Mahomes was not on the board, obviously. <laughs> All right. Up next, we're going to run the board in college basketball tonight. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at vsin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. And let's start talking about some college basketball games tonight. And we'll start out with the top 15 showdown at the Fog. 6 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN from Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. It's a rematch of the game on January 8th in Lubbock. 13th ranked Texas Tech takes on 5th ranked Kansas. Texas Tech 15-4 and four overall. 5-2 and two in the Big 12. A half game behind Kansas at the top of the league. Kansas 16-2 and two and 5-1. and one. That game on 1-8 in Lubbock was dominated by the Red Raiders. Final score, 75-67. Bryson Williams had 22 in the effort. Saturday, Kansas rallied, closing with a 9-0 run in the last three minutes uh, in Manhattan to beat rival Kansas State, 78-75. The Jayhawks, them all, lane seven here at home with a total of 139. Yeah, a little birdie told me you got to play on this game, so looking forward to hearing your take on this one. You mentioned this game. Kansas really struggled defensively inside the paint. Uh, Texas Tech had 44 points in the paint in that first game, really dominant in that game. Also, the other thing that was crucial – Kansas had 17 turnovers in that matchup. They've got to get better in terms of protecting the ball. Now coming into the fog on a Monday night, I can just tell you right now, I'm really curious to see which side you're going to be on. Remember, this line was six and a half or seven in Lubbock. It was six. Six, okay. Because fine. I laid it. Okay. I know, and I watched every second You of the laid game. the points with Kansas? Yes. And you're coming back with? Texas Tech. <laughs> I want to tell you something right now. Go ahead, buddy. Son, Texas Tech is a better team than Kansas. I don't know what kind of I don't I don't know what you've been smoking, but you go ahead and keep smoking that herb because I Kansas can tell you right now. Kansas is very fortunate. Should have lost to Kansas State. First of all, should have lost. 
should have lost at Oklahoma. This is a fraud team here with Bill Self. Okay, first of all, you got to remember something. Let, 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 we're going to talk about this here for a second. KU, when you go on the road in the Big 12, even though Baylor's the defending national champion, Kansas gets everybody's best shot every night. In that game, mm. I thought Oklahoma played very well, give them a ton of credit, but at the end, when it mattered most, KU made the t- most plays. How many times have you seen Bill Self take a team into Bramlage and come up with a tight win or they may pull away even during the Wade Davis years. I mean, think about this. Kansas State's players are playing with a handicap as it is. They've got Bruce Weber as a head coach. They've got to overcome that. They've got to overcome better talent on the KU team. They find a way. You think going into the fog on Monday night, the Red Raiders who were a similar line at home, they're going to cover this number? I don't think so. Iowa State went into the fog and almost beat this team on a Monday night. You think Iowa State's as good as Texas Tech? I don't, but they played well in the game. But I'm telling you something. You, this is a revenge game for the uh, the Rock Chalk Jayhawkers. You think that paint, they're going to dominate like they did? Wait yeah, till we see the free throw discrepancy. is going to have a monster game tonight. The half-court offense in the first meeting was beautiful. Embarrassing Kansas. Why did they score all the points in the paint? They were layups, Amal. They were layups. And this Kansas team will not shoot the ball well enough from beyond the arc to cover oh, this Ron number. Will be fine. Oh, they're covering this number. All right, let's do it again. We can book it ourselves and we don't have to have the juice. All right, now let's go to the Pac-12, the, the game that follows on ESPN at 8 o'clock Pacific and local time from the Galen Center. Arizona State and USC. USC ranked 15th, 16-2 and two overall, 6-2 and two in the Pac-12. ASU 6-10, and 2-4 and four in the Pac-12. The news here is no Bobby Hurley, no Jay Heath, the guard. Both of them suspended for this game for their behavior at the end of the game at Stanford. On Saturday, Hurley also fined $20,000 when they both went after an official after the game. Hurley was a little bit upset for some reason. The Sun Devils were 7 of 9 from the line, and Stanford was 32 of 41, including a foul on a three-pointer at the buzzer, with Stanford hitting the three free throws. USC won at Colorado and Utah on the road after losing at home to Oregon. This number, all 13 on the overnight, down to 12 with a total of 135. Yeah, I think the uh, number at 12 is a little bit high, but I think also this total in the game is high. I don't see uh, Arizona State being able to score a ton. Are the Trojans really going to probably get to about 73 in this one? I don't necessarily see it playing out that way. A couple of things. Heath being out, third leading scorer for the Sun Devils. Terrific three-point shooter, about almost 40% from beyond the arc. Done a really nice job. But, Mike, I actually think without Bobby Hurley on the sideline, it's a benefit. You boost up? You boost up their rating? 100% because there's a couple of factors. Number one, you got to remember, you might actually be able to run a decent set for once. And number two, you eliminate the possibility of getting a useless technical foul from the petulant child on every sideline play when it doesn't go his way. All right, let's go to the AC. I want Here's something that's uh, what I found remarkable. There's three ACC games tonight. Yes. BC at Wake Forest, Louisville at Virginia, Virginia Tech at UNC. What is remarkable about this? None of them are ranked in the top 25. It really is. Think about how bad the ACC is. By the way, did you grab some of that Wake Forest gravy on Saturday night? Carolina's terrible. They're terrible. Let's go to that that game next. Uh, Virginia Tech at UNC tonight. This game at 5 o'clock Pacific on the ACC Network from the Smith Center. Virginia Tech uh, lost at Boston College Saturday 68-63 as a six-point favorite. Carolina got waxed at Wake Forest, but they are 9-0 and at the Dean Dome, just 3-6 and away from home here. Carolina lane five in this spot with a total of 141 and a half a mile. I know you're probably going to disagree with this statement. I like Carolina here. I do too. I didn't put this in the place, I but I either. lean heavy Carolina. I, I do as well. And if you're a money line player, I, I just don't think Virginia Tech is good enough to go on the road right now into Chapel Hill and win this basketball game. Glad you mentioned Coach Smith. I know he's your favorite coach of all time, one of my favorites. 
this team, man, I'll tell you what, there's been a precipitous drop-off from the Roy Williams era to uh, Hubert Davis. They've got to get better. They can shoot the basketball particularly well. Caleb Love's had a terrific year. We've seen what Armando Baycott's been able to do. Virginia Tech, though, they can shoot the ball well themselves, almost 40% from the three-point line. But to me, they go in spurts where they don't score the ball consistently. I think Carolina, with their ability to get out and push tempo, it's going to be the difference in this game, and they're always tough at the Smith Center. I like North Carolina here, and I saw four and a half. It crept up to five here. No surprise. I think it's UNC all day. The game before that on the ACC Network, 3 o'clock Pacific time, 6 o'clock local time from the Joel Coliseum. BC at Wake Forest. BC comes in 8-9, 3-4 in the league. They've lost 6 of 8. Wake Forest... 16 and 4, 6 and 3 in the league. They've won 5 of 6. That only loss was to Duke. Uh, 98-76, they beat UNC over the weekend. They're 11 and 1 at home this year. Wake, 10 point favorite with a total of 140 and a half. I think they're going to cover this number. I didn't play it, but I'm really tempted to play. Alondis Williams has been outstanding for the Demon Deacons. What a turnaround we've seen out of this team this year. I know they got blown out by Duke at home, but no shame in that. Duke's got potential five first rounders, so I'm sure Mike Shashevsky will be gone by the second weekend. But when I look at this Wake Forest team, you have to give them a ton of credit. We've had a drop-off this year with, um, obviously, North Carolina not playing well. Virginia, we're going to get to in a minute. And then, of course, Syracuse on that bubble for the NIT right now. So something to pay attention to if you're looking at the ACC. Uh, I think Wake Forest, though, against this Boston College team who is inept offensively, they should be able to run away and hide in this game. I like the way the Deacons are playing, especially at Joel Coliseum. And the offensive efficiency from inside the arc, really good. I, I think they're too dominant, and BC struggles. 4 o'clock on ESPN uh, Pacific time. The first game of the triple header from John Paul Jones Arena. Louisville at Virginia. Louisville 8 and, eight and uh, excuse me, 11 and 8, 5 and 4 in league play. Virginia comes in with the exact same record, 11 and 8 and 5 and 4. Louisville has lost 4 of 5, including getting embarrassed at home at the Yum Yum Center to Notre Dame <laughs> on, on Saturday. Uh, Virginia, this is not your typical uh, Tony Bennett team, just 6-4 and four at home this year, giving up 64 points a game in their last 10. The Wahoos, a five-point home favorite with a total up from 122.5 on the overnight of all to 125. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised by the move on this total because I think Virginia is ineptness offensively along with their defensive ability and then combine that with Louisville's inconsistency. Chris Mack's team has not really been that good, Mike, offensively, as you alluded to. Um, tough game for me from one way or the other. I got no problem if you're taking the dog here because I just don't think Virginia's a team that can run away and hide at this point in time from anybody. But Louisville, you mentioned it. That game Saturday against Notre Dame, I was on Louisville, ended up losing that game. I just thought, look, you're at home, and even though they're inconsistent offensively, they'll find a way to win this basketball game and just absolutely out of sorts. By the way, two teams flying under the radar right now in the ACC. How Notre about Dame. Notre Dame, absolutely. Mike Bray does a tremendous job. Once every three years when the contract is potentially Jack Swarbuck's thinking about making a change, Mike Bray's <laughs> going to say, I'm going to stick it to you. Let's get another extension. And then how about Leonard Hamilton? Give them credit. They go down to the Watsco Center and absolutely dominate the first half and then hold on for dear life. But Laranaga's team's doing well, and so is Florida State. I was just going to wrap up the ACC with this question. Are the three best teams in the ACC Duke or the two Florida teams? I think so. Yeah. I, I tell you, I did not see this with Miami. But, you know, you start playing well. You build that confidence. We've seen it with, with the Wisconsin, despite them getting waxed on Friday. Couldn't believe that happened. Michigan State played very well in that game, I they thought. Did. They, more, they than, were... more, than, more than about Wisconsin playing poorly. Yeah, and by the way, let me tell you something. I'm still not buying Sparty. Yeah. I, I still think when I look at the top of that league, I'm going to take the Buckeyes, Wisconsin, and even even Perdon. By the way, they, they finally decided to slam somebody. Yeah. Um, SEC, 4 p.m. from the Black Pavilion. In Oxford, Florida at Old Miss. Old Miss comes in nine and nine, one and five in league play. They've lost. Uh, <clears throat> they've lost four straight, including getting blown out in Starkville on Saturday. 
Florida has won three straight, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt, 12-6, and 3-3 three and three in league play. The Gators here lay in four and a half on the road with a total of 133 and a half them all. I didn't bet this game for a couple of reasons. We got a couple of injury concerns. I was Keontae Johnson out for Florida, but Mike, more importantly, is Colin Castleton going to go with his shoulder? Remember, he got hurt in practice last week. Game time decision here. And then on the flip side, Jarkel Joyner, he's going to be a game time decision for the uh, Ole Miss Rebels in this one. They need him in the lineup, but they're going to have any kind of chance here. This Ole Miss team just cannot shoot the ball. Do a really nice job on the glass. But Kermit Davis's team, until they start shooting the ball better, uh, it's going to even be tough to see them winning games at the tad pad here. Uh, boy, Mike, I don't want to lay four and a half on the road, but I think the Gators get a win. Total down four points on the overnight from 133 and a half to 129 and a half. When we come back, I'm all in the Palm Reader playbook and some Aussie Open talk. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Bed River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole nother level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. Download the Bed Rivers app or go to bedrivers.com today. Or explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combination. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9 with it. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. And Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Playable in New Jersey is play sugar house void where prohibited. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Uh, time for our plays. You can recap the weekend and give your singular play today. Yeah, it went one and one Tennessee coming up short. Now, I didn't see much of that football game, so I can't say one way or the other what really happened in there. Uh, and then uh, the Chiefs game, kind of fortunate, but I took an in-game play on Buffalo when they were down nine. It was plus 340. Mm. I thought they were going to have an opportunity, and um, I didn't feel like you know it was a scenario where Kansas City was home free in that one. So got uh, KU here tonight at the Fog, minus seven, big Monday. But I'm sure, you know, maybe you want to go with the Red Raiders if you are somebody else. All right, let's flip to my plays. I'm going to take I'm going to take the seven in this game with Texas Tech. We've discussed this already here. I think Texas Tech's a better team than Kansas. Give them three points for home court. Maybe they lose by two. You uh, think I the think they will take it. They ta- okay, give them four. <laughs> Hell, give them six and a half. Now, <laughs> I think they have a better half-court offense than Kansas. Uh, I, I just really do. I really believe this team is better than Kansas. We'll see tonight. 
one unit play. And then I'm going to take the Blues here. Who do you have listed? Do you think it's going to probably be Bennington tonight? Huso's been great on this road trip. Blues have won 5 of 6, 2 and 0 on this West Coast swing. Uh, they're in Calgary tonight. Uh, who do you have listed? Yeah, Bennington expected yeah. against Markstrom. Yeah, who's so back and, and a back-to-back from last night. But Blues are playing dominant hockey again. I thought this was just too big of a price to pass. Plus 155 here in the NHL. Over the weekend, um, we we lost that play on uh, on Florida going against the the, the uh, minor league goaltenders. They, only, they won in overtime. They didn't cover the puck line. We want Wolverhampton playing very well, Amal. One with Wolverhampton. Is that a 1-0 final? No, 2-1. Two one. Okay, yeah. you did three say one that. actually. You said, yeah. "Wow, Wolves scoring yeah. three goals." Yeah. Huh? They got one in added time. Too, I but... saw they took a one 0 yeah. lead, and then I didn't check. I said, you "Well, they're the not going to score on Wolves." The game was delayed thirty five minutes in the first half. Yeah, I wanted to ask you what happened there. I saw twenty three minutes of added time in the they first had half. Had a drone flying over the stadium. They cleared the stadium. They were afraid that it could have been some sort of a nefarious oh, thing. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, okay. yeah it was. It was forty five plus twenty one uh, at one point, as you, as you said. 23, uh, lost with you with Tennessee, bounced back with 49ers and the Rams. I thought the Rams were were really impressive here. Uh, let's talk a little Aussie Open. Do um, you have any specific plays today? And then we'll talk futures-wise what's left in the draw. No, you know, I, I think the um, the prices are a little bit out of whack on some of the matchups. I think the Krejcikova keys one is a tough one. can go either way. we got Krejcikova at about minus 125, keys at even money. Uh, Rafa and Shapovalov, um, you know, Rafa's always done well in this tournament until he gets to the final because there's a man named Novak usually waiting there. Uh, and I still think he makes a deep run. And now with Zverev off, uh, out, excuse me, I think Medvedev and Rafa are the two guys you're looking at here. So they've got a great opportunity to go far. Uh, and then you got Barty and Pegula. Barty's a huge favorite here, but I think Ash rolls. I think she's going to win this thing on the women's side. The most intriguing match of the night to me is Berrettini and Monfils. I'm surprised to see the way Monfils is playing that Berrettini's a favorite here. Because Gael can... Who had final. Kudos to her. Listen, mm-hmm. Simona Halep is not 100% healthy. Halep would have wrecked her if she was completely healthy, but Cornet really gets after it. You know, when you're not a power player, you have to be tremendously skilled, and she was able to do that. Mike, I have a quick question for you. Now that she's made her first quarterfinal, do you believe she can chase the record held by Chris Everett of 56 quarterfinals in Grand Slams? No, because she's 32 years old. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. She's... The clock is running out. The, what the greatest stat I've ever seen. All you have to do is make it for every major for 14 consecutive years to every quarterfinal. That's all Chris Everett did. That's all she did. Pretty consistent. <laughs> Pretty consistent. Yeah. all the husbands and all. All right. Jesus. Okay. Let's Shot get, taker. All right. Let's get back to college basketball because there's a few games we haven't covered I wanted to pick your sure. brain about. And let's go to the Big East in the rematch game. This was this is a home and home from Saturday, all St. John's going to Seton Hall. They played this game at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. The Seton Hall was a one-point road favorite, uh, and they beat St. John's 66-60. Both teams were abhorrent offensively. They had their lowest points per possession. I think they shot 34% combined for two-pointers and under 20% from threes. It was pretty bad. Uh, Now the game switches to the Prudential Center in Newark. This is 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. local start on FS1. 
St. John's 10 and 7 overall, 2 and 4 in the Big East. Seton Hall 12 and 5, 3 and 4 in the Big East. They were minus 1 on Saturday on the road. They're minus 6.5 here at home, Amal, with a total 151.5. Yeah, and let's start with the side here. Um, I don't really have a particular play on this one because. I think Seton Hall should be able to win this game fairly comfortably, but I'm not going to lay it because I think St. John's very capable of pulling off uh, an upset or even covering this number very easily. So staying away from that. But I'm going to tell you, Mike, this total, I looked at this earlier, and I, and I didn't end up having it in the place, but I'm going to be on the over. You know, you talked about in that first game, both of these teams, they really struggled. And, and I think it's very crucial when you look at the breakdown in that matchup, how poorly these two teams played. They will play far better offensively. They can't play any worse. And I'm not just saying that just out of default. But they still scored 126 points. I want to give you a couple of numbers real quick. In that game, there was 26 combined turnovers. You mentioned it. They were 9 for 32 from the three-point arc, just over 25%. And here's my favorite stat. 45 for 143. You got that many shot attempts Mm -hmm. up? That's a great thing for an offensive game. They just struggled to score the basketball. They still put up 70 in the second half. I like this game to go over 152 and a half. Um, it was 151. It's 151 and a half now. It was 152 and a half when they played at MSG. Uh, I think this game gets over. All right. Six o'clock on CBS Sports from the Viejas Arena in San Diego. UNLV against San Diego State. UNLV 11 and 8, 3 and 3 overall. San Diego State 10 and 4, just 2 and 1 in league play. My team. Boise State went into Viejas and did something not many do. They beat San Diego State on Saturday, 42-37 them all. That's not the halftime score. That's the (laughs) final score, 42-37. San Diego State just 14 points at home in the second half, just one point in the first 10 minutes of the second half in that game. They played this game in Vegas earlier in the year with San Diego State. They were favored by three and covered, winning by seven here at the Thomas & Mack on New Year's Day. In San Diego tonight, the Aztecs laying 10.5 with a total of 126. Yeah, uh, no play here in this game, but I'll tell you what, I was really impressed with Boise going on the road and winning down at the Vieja Center. You know, to me, in the West Coast, there are basically three places that have always been over the last 10 to 20 years that have been so tough to play at. The Kennel, obviously, number one. But throw that out because the team's more talented every time. Yeah, I know. That's you true. know what it's I mean? In terms fair. of a home court advantage. Yeah, it's right? not even a fair fight. Yeah. McHale Center for a long time used to be the place you just go in there, you're going to lose. Um, and then the Vieja Center. In terms of what the Aztecs are usually able to do at home, they don't even shoot the ball well, and they still find ways to gain, win the game, right? They'll just out-muscle you. They'll out-defend you. I think uh, this is a game that I would look at the Rebels plus the points, um, but I don't want to take them here. I, I'm not really high on this UNLV team. By the way, this league is far better than people give it credit for. Colorado State, San Diego State, Boise State, I mean, this is a good league. I think, and I'm leaving somebody out right now off the top of my head, but I think we're looking at potentially uh, four teams in there maybe. Okay, and then one more game today. I'm all in. Some have told us we need to talk more about betting, so I wanted to go to the Colonial Athletic Conference. CAA, baby. Yeah, and I want to talk about what I find a peculiar line. UNC Wilmington is 11-5 and and 5-0 in conference play. They go to Boston tonight to take on Northeastern. Who is six and twelve and zero and seven in the Colonial? This game at four o'clock from Matthews Arena, Northeastern at the bottom of the league, laying two and a half with a total of one thirty-two and a half. Yeah, Brent Blizzard still playing for UNC. Mm-hmm. Going back a few days here. Um, tell you what, this UNC team can't shoot the basketball. That's the biggest problem. They're below thirty-two percent from beyond the arc. They're only forty percent from the floor. You see a lower number here. The Huskies have generally been tr- uh, tough up in. 
uh, at, at their home floor here. But I, I'm telling you right now, Mike, I can't touch this game, but you're going based on the records. I, I just can't uh, back either side in this one. But I will say this. When you look at Northeastern, for a team that's not high scoring, they're a lot more balanced, and I think that'll be the difference in this one. I'm going to take a look at UNC, excuse me, Northeastern here to get out, get a home win. I just don't think Wilmington's going to be able to go on the road and win. And when you look at the Seahawks, look at their schedule. Look at where the wins have come. I think it's a little bit misleading. Well, it's unbalanced because of COVID, right? Yeah. And they haven't played necessarily the upper echelon in the league. Interesting hockey game. Kings at Rangers tonight. Uh, Kings second place in the Pacific Division. Rangers on top of the Metro. Rangers are laying 150. Should be Shesterkin against Quick. Total of five and a half here. I lean under them all. Yeah, I, I would lean under. I remember last time I took a play like this in New York between the Rangers and the Kings. 2-2 with about four minutes to go. Rangers score and then they get an uh, yeah. EN to beat me. <laughs> all right, thanks for tuning in today. Stay tuned to VEASAN. Up next, it's Betting Across America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.